Hello there, superstars. His name is Aaron, and he's sorry. His name's Tommy, and he likes to eat parsley flakes by the spoonful. And this is the Super Pod Saga. Parsley, parsley shit, that would be something to eat. <laughs> that would be hell on earth. <laughs> Did, you say parsley? Did you say parsley flakes? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> dried. Even like dried, so they get stuck in your throat. Right. Yes, exactly. It's not even that good of a seasoning. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have a taste. Like, why do people put it in things? It doesn't taste <laughs> or smell like anything. This is a new record for fastest detour. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, superstars, listeners everywhere. You are listening to the Super Pod Saga this is the podcast where Aaron and I, and sometimes guest, bring a different video game topic to the table. We talk about it, then then we stop talking about it when we're done talking about it. Right, and then we'll just discard it like an old to- like an old bamboo toothbrush, I, never I to return. Yeah, I don't know if people know this. After we stop talking about a topic, it empties my mind completely. Just like <laughs> like you, just no brain, just absolute smooth brain, just existing. Yep. yep. After the topic is done. Exactly. Yeah, it's like like <laughs> video game antago. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> we didn't do that. <laughs> um, oh man! You might have you might have already heard the voice of our guest today. Our guest is Nick from the Friday Night Games Cast. Hi, Nick. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to jump in here with the Super Pod Saga boys, Aaron and Tommy, the greatest of all time for topical Ooh. podcasting. I'm, I'm really pumped to get in here and talk about some some uh, real angry angry boys and girls. Okay. Stop, I'm yes. blushing. You're making me blush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about uh, yourself, about your podcast, uh, all that good stuff. Oh, man, I, I love all kinds of games. I I am famously the one that is uh, too coward, cowardly to uh, settle myself in the camp of Xbox, Sony, or Nintendo. Mm. So I love all three, and I buy all three of them, uh, much to my bank account's dismay. <laughs> but yeah, I am uh, I am Nick from the Friday Night Gamecast. I co-host that with my really good friend, William, who you guys haven't had the opportunity to work with yet, but we're going to make sure to correct that. Season two for our, our show is right around the corner. I'm just gathering some stuff. Stuff, trying to finish up some things right now um but yeah i uh we we are also a variety show podcast we talk about everything on our show from news uh rumors impressions for new games that have come out and we often will do full-blown reviews for video games if we you know think that it deserves an entire episode to dedicate to that as well so uh we kind of are uh, we're jacks of all trades and, and we like to have our have our finger on the pulse for everything going on in video games right now um yeah so we we have a couple of exciting things coming up uh for the show we've already played some things i you know you're asking me what kind of games that i like and i'm thinking about that as i'm playing through games this year and 2023 is just an incredible year an for gamers as a year. whole absolutely insane because no matter what you like Something new is coming out of a franchise that you love, whether it yes. be Metroid or, you know, Star Wars and you know, Final Fantasy. Like, we are absolutely eating this year. Dead Space uh, Remake, oh, yeah. I played that earlier. I have a review incoming with that uh, with Nave from the Game Gaming Together podcast. I know he's a good friend of the show as well. And, uh, yeah, we, we did a review of the Dead Space Remake. That's one. I mean, Dead Space is one of my favorite franchises of all times. And uh, I, I just love survival horror in that sense. I've also been playing Resident Evil 4 Remake as well. I, I played the original last year for the very first time, which was Ooh. an eye-opening experience. I don't know if you guys are, are huge, huge Resident Evil 4 fans. I'm a coward. I don't play 
play any Resident oh, yeah. Evils. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, uh, I, I absolutely love that. But yeah, so you know, we we cover we cover a lot of bases. Um, you know, we we love all of the all of the platforms that you can game on, except PC players, those stinky, stinky PC players <laughs> who likes to emulate anything these days, right? They're so smelly. Um, <laughs> exactly but yeah if you want to if you want to go ahead and check out our show we are the we're the uh, friday night Gamecast, and we also just finished up the side series called our fireside talks this was a community-based limited series that i started to kind of feature everybody that was in the indie content creation space on the video game side um and so i featured a lot of really really cool folks who you know run in similar circles as us and uh, you boys actually came on to uh, open open my eyes to one of the greats, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. So I was, uh, yeah, that was a really fun episode. I hope I hope you guys enjoyed how that came out. I know that a lot of the fans really enjoyed that one as well. Oh, good. That makes nice. me happy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where where can people find you on the social media websites that are on the internet? Sure thing. If you want to reach out to us, uh, we are, are on Twitter mainly. That's going to be the easiest way to contact us, both Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we're just Friday Night Gamers, and that's N-I-T-E-G-A-M-R-Z. Our DMs are open, so you can just hit that up. I usually run that account, and I keep a close eye on the DMs there. Um, you can also you know, find us over on Instagram. We are just the Friday Night Gamecast over there. Will runs our Instagram. Uh, we just came out with another some some more Mario content. We uh, had a little side series on Patreon. We also have a Patreon, so you can find us there, patreon.com slash Friday Night Gamecast. And uh, we have a side series called Did You Hate It? And we just Ooh. and that that's going to be one of those series where it's like we're not really sure where we're going to land on the game, but we force one another to try and play the game. I just forced Will to play Mario Odyssey. That was an easy one. He loved it, <laughs> and it was a really good episode. And he kind of broke it down, you know how how incredible that experience was. And now he's going to make me play Half Life Two, which <laughs> is going to be very interesting. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna see if I can I can get through that one. Uh, I I'm excited to kind of learn a little bit more about Gordon Freeman and uh, his whole journey through that that thing. But yeah, give give us a give us a shout out on there. Reach out to us and uh, we'll we'll hopefully connect. We we did that once where we we made each other play a game and it was only once because I don't think we could do anymore. I <laughs> I had Aaron play Top Gun on the Game Boy and Ugh. I played Castlevania Two on the Nintendo. Oh man, Top Gun on the original Game yeah, Boy. Yeah, the original like, Game oh, Boy. Oh man, did you like? Did you beat it, Aaron? No, I don't even know if I made any progress at all. It was just, it was just. It's a dupe. It's a jet bam, fighter bam, sim bam. on Game Boy. Yeah. Like you're actually flying around in open space on Game it Boy. It was wild good, though. It was not good. Uh, I can and, imagine that being really rough. Yes. Aaron, Eric, where where can the people find us on social media? and other things yeah just uh open up superpodsaga.com on your web browser whatever i'm a firefox guy uh if you want where you can probably find us on your browser as well too or whatever you use to mine crypto just superpodsaga.com all of our episodes are on there our blog posts because we write blog posts frequently uh we have our our patreon on there too if you want to give us money and uh yeah superpodsaga.com yeah i love that um, are you gonna are you gonna like start using edge next aaron after you're done with firefox okay. like what's go, what's going on here you're trending in the wrong direction google chrome <laughs> so, supremacy <laughs> so okay so so i did use chrome for like the longest time for this stretch of like maybe 10 years i used only chrome really and then i was and then it like it just i, I forget i think it was just like there were too many too many add-on i don't know i forget what the fuck turned me off but i was like hmm, i'm gonna try edge i used edge for a little bit and like that was all right and then I tried oh, okay. Firefox, and I'm like, dude, this is 
it's snappy, it's quick. You can send tabs from your phone to your laptop and, and you know, vice versa, like in the That's snap of your fingers. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I was also a Chrome boy since like college. And then my work has Edge as the default browser that all their programs work on. And so I got used to it. I'm like, this isn't so bad. Maybe I should maybe I should do this. So I, with my newest PC I got a couple months ago, I've been using Edge on it, trying to get used to it because I'm a horrible person. I got you. It's not bad, though. No, it's if not it wasn't, bad. I, it I, talk shit, I talk shit, but what? that's only because of the remnants of the hell yeah. that Internet Explorer <laughs> gave me. Yeah, exactly. And so I will never trust Microsoft that much with my life again. I completely <laughs> understand. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of people that you wouldn't trust your life with, what's our topic for today, Aaron? It's our favorite video game antagonists. Yeah, the bad guys, the big bad guys. Let's um, go, yes. big bads for the win. What do What do you guys look for in in a bad guy? Do you like the ones that are just like overwhelmingly evil, or do you like the bad guys with the little nuance where you're like, I can see where he's coming from? Nick, you go first. So it's a little bit of both for me, um, and it always is going to depend on what kind of story that the the game is telling me. Like, if this mm. is a like a silly, goofy time, like if I'm playing Destroy All Humans or something like that, I do not want anything that's going to take itself too seriously. I want somebody who's going to be way over the top and just like want it, wanting to, you know, just I don't know, smoke people alive like in High on Life. I don't know if you guys got a chance to play that, but I thought like y- the ridiculousness of like how evil the bad guys were was just hilarious and kind of that just absurdist humor that they incorporated there but when it comes to like um AAA games or you know teams obviously where there's a lot of time and effort and thought put into the narrative as well as the character developments for you know all of the principal cast throughout that game i want a villain that's going to have real motivations that's going to yeah. be multi-dimensional somebody who yeah. has some, like like they're not just evil for the sake of being evil and it doesn't really add any consequence to the story i need somebody with a with a reason for why they're doing what they're doing and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I, I think that that's kind of where I'm aiming when I think about a villain. That's perfect. That's exactly what I was going to... Yeah, word for word, exactly what was in my yep. brain. Uh, Nick, have you ever watched or, or read Berserk? Anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Berserk. I saw the... I haven't read any of it, but I did see the the Golden Age arc um, for like oh, the three yes. movies that are on there, which was absolutely incredible. And I don't know if that's like the best interpretation of Berserk. I'd imagine like reading those origin, the compendium of the original like manga probably would be best. But yeah, no, awesome series. Yeah. And like the, oh, fuck, what is his name? Griffin. Yeah, Griffith. In the yeah. Femto- Griffith, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's like one of the best villains ever. And it's the, the source material does such a fantastic job of, I guess, translating his, tra- his transformation from Griffith to Femto and like why he did everything he did and everything like that. So yeah, yeah I like, I like a good villain that he yeah, has a lot of development. Like, you know, they, they give you, yeah, like, like you and Tommy said, a reason for being evil rather than just being like, I want to take over the world and get a million dollars in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think you pointed out something that kind of makes it almost more difficult to do bad guys in video games is because like in manga, TV books, you can have like a separate scene, like where you, see the bad guy in his view order which you can do that with cutscenes in video games but for the most part it's from your point of view as the main character so you have to somehow convey the bad guys everything in the lens of the the character you're playing as yeah that's yeah that's, that's fair um yeah i think that it's also it you know it depends because there's so many people that are on the writing team as well for a lot of the the bigger games and the problem that you run into is that when you have a disjointed yeah. uh writing staff who all have their own in- different interpretations of how the story can go there have been plenty of games that i've played even modern or older th- where it's like 
there are some characters that feel fleshed out and lived in and their character development actually makes sense for the narrative that that dev team is trying to tell and then there will be others where it's like the the antagonist like for example i think a perfect example is going to be somebody that i have on my list for later on but Ooh. in the uncharted series Ooh. that's where i saw a lot of unevenness Aaron, um, uncharted. yeah so <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Is that your know, favorite, Tommy? I don't know anything at all about it. I've never played okay. Uncharted. They sound yes. interesting, but I've never played yeah. them. Aaron's had a vendetta uh, against games of the year, or games of the, like, best games list, always having Uncharted on yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, take him off. It doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I uh, I forget whose Discord server it was. I think it was maybe on the, the Tales from the Back. Yeah, it was from the, the Tales from the Backlog Discord server. Uh, Dave, every so often he does this thing. There's this channel for casual top threes, and one of it was like, you know, top three uh, series, games, or genres that you haven't played that everybody else likes. And I, I said Uncharted, and I think it was David said it. It might have been somebody else, but they were like, um, they were like, like yeah, they're they're great games. They're definitely not essential. And I, I said, yeah, I haven't been struck down by God yet, so yeah, they can't. <laughs> they must not be that essential. Like they're not like the, the holy word of the Lord Himself or anything. Part of the the Holy Trinity. Like mm -hmm. the father, the son, and Uncharted Three or whatever. Uncharted. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh man. Um, but uh, we're here to talk about antagonists, bad guys. Aaron, you you start us off. Who's this? Because this is your topic, and that's how this works. You start. What's give it? Tell us about a bad guy. Okay. But <laughs> um, uh, one one awesome one that comes to mind is uh from Chrono Trigger Magus Magus. Oh yeah. I'm not Ooh. sure how you say it. Um, I almost chose Lavos, but I mean, yeah, Lavos is like anti everything we just said because Lavos <laughs> is just like, I'm an alien. <laughs> I'm going to end the world in like a thousand years and then, yeah. you know, whatever. But Magus is great because it's everything that we said earlier. It's he's um he's only against Chrono and like he, he's basically uh, the, the game's real main villain, Lavos, uh, completely destroyed his family. Like, it was. There was this point in the game where Magus's sister, Magus, Magus, whatever, they were making this machine to extract power from Lavos and, you know, become more powerful and provide, you know, power and everything else for the for the rest of their their kingdom and everything. In doing so, of course, they pissed off Lavos. Lavos basically uh, ripped apart time where that kingdom was, and you know, Magus ended up going all the way back to like the medieval era, and then I think the rest of the kingdom. It, it gets kind of explained in Chrono Cross. They got thrown into the world of um, wherever the El Nido Triangle is and everything, and then his sister ends up being... Spoilers, by the way, if anybody hasn't played Chrono Trigger or whatever, it, was, it came out in 99. If you haven't played it, play it. No, but, don't um, spoil it for me, Aaron, please. Okay, I'm, I won't, no, I'm kidding. I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, his, his, his sister, her name's... I think it's uh, Sheila or Skella. Again, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but his sister ends up merging with with lavos but yeah magus is just he's he's evil because he wants to get back at lavos and he'll he'll strike down anybody that gets in his way of course chrono and his party they're they're trying to stop lavos from destroying the world but uh no magus wants his revenge and you know he's, he's gonna be the one to stop lavos god damn it but of course there's that in chrono trigger there's that like you, you can recruit magus as opposed to just straight up killing him and of course you, you just convince awesome. him like okay like We'll work together to beat Lavos, bro. Like we're we're better together, friendship. And then he joins your party, and yeah, and then exactly. then you all beat Lavos, and and yeah. I, I love, think one of the coolest that. things about 
Magus is or Magus, however, however you want to say his name. I'm not sure what yeah. the canon <laughs> way is to say it. But I, I love the fact that for Chrono Trigger, they worked with Akira Toriyama to develop all of those models or like the, the key art for some of those primary characters. And I love the fact that Magus's character design looks like he could easily and cleanly fit into the world of dragon ball like if yeah, they yeah. if they just picked oh, yeah. him up and put him in there he would he would fit right in with any of those like primary villains with like his ears and the flowing hair and everything it's just it's incredible you could see him and being part of like the ginyu force or the frieza the frieza yeah, force or whatever it's it's awesome i i always pronounce it magoose no i'm kidding I magoose <laughs> okay. I, was, I was about to harshly judge you magoose. Oh, man. that's I, my goose partner <laughs> And over my goose. That's that's, that's the a best. stupid joke. Cut it. <laughs> that's the best is when you can recruit the bad guy to your party because it happens. It doesn't happen very often, and it needs to be like super special when it does happen. It can't. You can't just do that all willy nilly. And they do it so yeah. well. Yeah, and and not to mention, I've also been on a huge. I I got to do a show with uh, Rick firestone from pixel project Radio, yeah. who's got an awesome show over there i'd highly recommend everybody too but i got the chance to do um a show with him on xenosaga episode one and i have to say like i became an absolute overwhelming fan of yasunori mitsuda as a composer because of that you know because of my time like working with him on that and like learning some of the the actual uh songs or, or the ost to bring on the show and then i realized he did the same ost for chrono trigger and i went over and listened to that Ooh. and i and i love how like how distinct everything is and like the whole story behind what happened to yatsunori uh as he was developing the ost for chrono trigger it's actually it's kind of crazy honestly yeah that's awesome. Speaking of, of things that are crazy, my my first antagonist is on the opposite end of the spectrum with the the deep background or whatever. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to talk about the Reapers, the Reapers from Mass Effect. Let's oh, go. Let's go. One. That's a good one. That's a good one to start off with. I, uh, I've only played one and two, so my apologies if I get some stuff wrong. <laughs> but I think that's enough to understand how insanely lethal and overwhelming the reapers are they're they're uh they're like a species race i don't know what you want to call them of, of uh robotic things that destroy all life or not all life all ascended life every few thousands of years they they yeah millennia millennia yeah, they go yeah. around and they they wait for life to develop to become advanced to have space travel and all that and then they they come around and kill them all and uh they do that in order to preserve the the universe as a whole because if life was to just continue to grow and evolve they would eventually destroy everything so they take the route of of having to to stop that from happening which makes sense in a way but it sucks for you know when your humanity who has just figured out all this space travel and all these species and stuff and it, it sucks to have to you know they you don't want to accept that and so that's kind of the whole thing of the mass effect series is stopping the reapers and and uh one thing I love about the Reapers is when you first talk to Sovereign in Mass Effect 2. Yes. The things that yep. he says is just like so overwhelming and just crushes your spirit and, and kind of puts into perspective how small you are to him. Um, oh, shoot. Why did my page scroll? I had it right here. Was uh, it you talked to Sovereign in 2 or the first time you speak to him in 1? Oh, no, it is you're, one. On. you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It is 1. Yep. Yeah. And uh, thank you for that. That's okay. Or organic life is nothing but a genetic mutation an accident your lives are measured in years and decades you weather and die we are eternal the pinnacle of evolution and existence before us you are nothing your extinction is inevitable we are the end of everything like 
you talk yeah. to him and he's just like i don't even care about you i'm gonna destroy everything like why are you even trying to talk to me and i just love that perspective yeah it's such a good way to create this ultimate kind of faceless mindless force even though they're the design of the reapers as they're coming into like the planets to just absolutely wreck havoc is it's so cool and creepy and just unnerving but i i love one of the the Reapers are exactly the reason why I love the Mass Effect franchise so much is because you get a real sense of scale yeah. when you're working with organisms like that and you have an understanding of how much devastation they do such a good job of showing you as the player, as the audience, like the devastation that they wrought on. And, and a thing, I mean, like the craziest part, Tommy, is that you haven't played three and you get to see some absolutely wild things like the oh, Turian sure. army, the Turian homeworld getting decimated by the, the Reapers or even, even worse, like the Asari homeworld who has the strongest like hands down the strongest military across all civilizations and they're just getting absolutely mm -hmm. mopped up by the reapers and i'm just yeah it was it was real sad it's a sad three is a sad game if nobody has the chance to play it i will someday i'll get there i i actually <laughs> played mass effect 2 i i had I, I start this trilogy like every few years and i continued mass effect 2 a couple of weeks ago so maybe i can oh yeah yeah you should you should another thing that i love is how as you're like being introduced to the series, you learn about the mass relays, you learn about the the, the citadel, all all those things. And like as you continue to make discoveries about the Reapers, you kind of learn that they were the ones that set everything in motion, and those are they're for them to use to travel across the galaxy and destroy everything. And it's like all oh my this God. stuff, all this stuff that you discovered that you're like, oh, this really makes <laughs> discovering worlds and traveling easier. No, that was just placed there by the Reapers to make it easier for them to wipe out everything. Yeah. So they like, so they set in motion, uh, basically for us to, to discover all this new technology yes. and, and advance as a species, but ultimately to just be like, ha fooled yes. ya. And then yeah. they <laughs> blast exactly. you to bit. Bastards. Um, there's yeah. a, that's cool. uh, that's... sorry. I was going to say that that's awesome. Actually. That's a, that's some really deep, uh, that series as a whole just has such deep, like rich yeah. lore. It, it's great. There's yeah. one hidden collectible in Mass Effect One that gives you a little, a big long text thing. They didn't bother animating anything. It's just a big wall of text, and it talks about. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's from the view of a caveman, where a Reaper comes to Earth and kind of finds that they aren't advanced yet, so it leaves, and. Because that's what they do. They still travel around to make sure they find everything to wipe it out. And they came once already when humanity was like cavemen. And they were like, nope, you're not there yet. Keep keep evolving. Yeah. That's so crazy, too. I, didn't, I never caught that. That's really fascinating, honestly. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yep. Okay, your turn, yeah. Nick. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. Um, Yeah, I have a whole list. I did have somebody from Mass Effect on there, but we you won't repeat that, you know, back to back. Um, okay, I had the elusive man down on there just because like Martin Sheen, he's, oh, he's so good. good. He's so oh, incredible. Martin and like, Sheen did his voice. That's yeah, right. dude. That's he awesome. voice acted he the, the elusive it. man. And it's like two is so stylish. Cause he's like, he's in this room and it just looks like this, like yeah. he's sitting on a satellite, just staring mm -hmm. at a sun. And it's just, it's yeah, so cool. Window. Like the, the atmosphere they build up for the elusive man. But I think, um, I want to talk about somebody who I will always think is like one of the most intriguing, uh, villains that I did not expect to be a villain that when I found out that they were actually um, bad and doing bad things I kind of my mind was a little bit broken um, and that's uh, that's Rhea from Fire Emblem Three Houses 
I don't know if you guys have both had a chance to play Fire Emblem, but uh, Mm. her her character is absolutely mind boggling. And the the biggest criticism for Three Houses is the fact that you have to play so many hours to get a full grasp of the story. But whenever you Mm. play those routes that really dig into like what's going on with Rhea and her relationship with the uh, basically the goddess and what's going on with uh, the different heroes relics and everything that she's doing, it kind of is absolutely bonkers and i don't want to spoil too much of it for folks who haven't played or haven't gone through the golden deer route of fire Emblem three houses but uh it is uh it is really quite fascinating to see her switch and see like her flip after kind of being in this days i'm um, going through school days and just seeing this woman this like this matronly uh figure like the leader of the, the archbishop of the the church that you're working for and kind of seeing you know what happens to her over time too it's just it's, it's really fascinating yeah, I you nailed exactly why I couldn't continue with. I I got to the time skip and was like, I need to take a break because my brain is dead, and then I never went back to it just because. Yeah, it was it just drained me so much, and and yeah, it it didn't. All the characters absolutely clicked with me. I loved everyone in that game, but just yeah, trying to go through it felt like the battles were getting in the way of the story to me, which is unfortunate. But I loved <laughs> what was what was building was awesome. Yeah, absolutely, and and then like her understanding of um you know what happened to everything to nemesis and you see like all of the subtle points throughout the game where you see her and she's always got like she's kind of like those new age people i don't know if you guys have ever had like met or encountered any of like new age people they're the ones who like are super big into like you know buddhism or meditation but you know they're the same people who also don't really worry about money too much and they're always very like carefree you know they want to go with the spirits but there's this underlying anger Mm. that's like underneath this like this visage of a person's persona and that's exactly what Rhea is she's like she's always had this calm demeanor and then as soon and then she'll say something and it'll just be like one single line delivery that will throw me out of it would be like something's wrong with you something's seriously wrong with this person and uh i just love how that voice actress um really portrayed her i'm trying to remember who she was do you guys know um nope. yeah cheremy lay and she actually has some she's she's been in some other some other games that i'm really struggling to try and try and figure out in the back of my mind but she's been in a lot of like really famous roles um she was uh asuna from uh if you guys have watched any she was lucy in uh fi- uh fairy tale yeah that's fairy tale and then, oh nice uh, she's done like a lot of like anime characters and that that sort of thing so yeah she's just an awesome character overall top to bottom uh that that'll just be me for Rhea. nice is it is it me it's you it's you me, Aaron. me turn okay me too. your turn okay my next one is kind. Well, yeah, I guess kind of goes against everything we said in the beginning. Yes, yes. But, and uh, it's Porky Minch from Earthbound and <laughs> and Mother Three kind of. <laughs> Porky, Tommy, is it Porky Minch? Yeah, Porky. His first name's okay. Porky. Last Got name it. Minch. You you first see him in Earth in the beginning of Earthbound, and he's just this like really wimpy, yeah. childish little fat kid. You know, he just he has rich parents and all that shit so he feels real entitled to like everything and he doesn't do a whole lot in in earthbound of course gigas or gigas however you say it guy i've always said gigas because g g y i sorry, say G-I-Y, i've G-I-S. always said gigoose gigoose okay. yummy <laughs> like like my goose exactly oh man i'm so funny you're hilarious Tommy. don't change anyway yeah, Porky. Yeah, like I said, he, he's real, real cowardly and childish and everything like that. Um, eventually, you you see him 
Yeah, again, like you see him for a little bit in the beginning of the game, and then his parents ground him for whatever reason. I think for getting his little brother in trouble or something stupid, and then you see him again later in the game. And uh, like I said earlier, his family is rich. Like you'll see him in like his dad's tower or building or whatever the fuck. And there's like this evil statue that they have in their building or something like that. But basically, he teams up with Gygus because he doesn't like Ness. Yeah, he knows that. <laughs> He knows that the Ness needs to beat Gygus, but he doesn't want Ness to do that because he doesn't like Ness. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <It's just> fuck. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, when you um, so some of the party goes to defeat Gygus in in like present day, like he, he's already too fucking strong. Like uh, like the whole point of them was to beat Gygus in present day because in the future he becomes just overwhelmingly like unlimited, infinitely powerful. But so they try to beat him in, in present day. Nope way too powerful already so they go back in time they have their souls transferred to these robots because their bodies wouldn't be able to handle the trip back in time um so they go back in time as little robots and uh and, and you can see like his appearance has changed a lot because of, of gygus's influence over him and everything basically like uh it's kind of implied that gygus is like not possessing him but kind of controlling him a little bit but yeah you you beat pokey or porky or whatever the hell and then you know you defeat gygus and everything but before you can actually like finish off Porky or whatever the hell he um he has this device called a phase distorter which is what Ness and the gang use it to travel back in time he uses the phase distorter to escape you know he, no idea if you're gonna travel backward or forward in time or whatever but yeah he just leaves and then you know you feed Gygus and then boom game ends but in in Mother 3 Porky appears again he, he's actually the main the main antagonist of Mother 3 Ooh. which Mother 3 is the one that the US never got it was only um, in Japan for the GBA, but there's lots of lots of fans tra- fan translations available that you, that you can buy to play the game if you want to. But that's awesome. Um, like in the beginning of Mother Three, the the island that they live on, the Nowhere Islands, it's all just like peaceful and calm and serene and everything. But Porky comes in and he starts like genetically altering animals. Like he'll he'll fuse <laughs> two different kinds of animals together, and and he causes all sorts of havoc. And and eventually, there's like this time skip. Uh, in, in the game where like Porky does take over the whole island and he starts creating like cities and advancing technology at just like a rapid pace. And, um, and again, yeah, you, you go to fight him and uh, again, he's in like you know, another little spider bot, but, um, but yeah, before you can beat him, uh, like I said, he, he's very cowardly before you can beat him. He, he hops inside this machine called the absolutely safe capsule, which is impenetrable. Absolutely uh, un- safe capsule. <laughs> <laughs> Unknowing to him, like he doesn't know it, but it's impenetrable from both sides, both in and out. So if you go oh, in, no. you can't get out. You're oh not getting out. Yeah, so he goes in, he's stuck in there. And uh, and then, yeah, I guess, again, spoilers, but throughout Mother 3, you'll be picking what's called the, the pins of the world. And uh, there, there's just a bunch of shit behind those, but the pins of the world basically hold like pieces of the earth in place. Because like, prior to the beginning of Mother 3, um, the world fucking ended, oh. and the nowhere islands that they're on now—they're basically this island created by this like higher being, and they put the survivors of the end of the world on this thing called the white ship and put them on that island basically to restart life. But and the 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 pins of the world or the needles or whatever basically, I guess, contain this this power or whatever. But yeah, anyway, um, you pull the final uh, pin of the world, and then the world kind of splits. And uh, then eventually, yeah, you see, you see at the end of the game, you see Porky and that absolutely safe capsule capsule floating through space. And yeah, 
he can't hurt anybody anymore. Goodbye, Porky. That's nuts. Goodbye, Porky. I, I played the first 15 minutes of Earthbound, so I was just walking around that small hometown, and, and you saying all this crazy stuff it breaks yeah. my brain. It's it's absolutely nuts. Like if like everybody says, it's quirky, and it's funny, and it's goofy, but there's some pretty deep shit, especially yeah. in Mother 3. Like it's it's the saddest happy game ever. It's it's so heartbreaking, but it's 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 funny and, and cool. I like that. What can you play Mother 3 on today if somebody wanted to go out and play it? I mean, you you can of course play it on your on your PC. If you download that, I mean, you can also do it on your phone as well too. You can download an emulator oh, really? for GBA and oh, you cool. can download the the ROM for Mother 3. Some come with translation patch, but you can download it without it and then go download the translation patch. It's super easy. But okay. Yeah. okay. And you can cool. also buy um I bought on eBay a twenty dollar like already translated cartridge for, for GBA Ooh. as well and you can do it that oh, way. Oh that's too. really cool. Yeah. That's, that's really neat. I uh I have kind of an opposite end of the spectrum bad guy from the giant space earth splitting stuff. I want to talk about uh, federal agent Edgar Ross from Red Dead Redemption One. Ooh, that's a deep Ooh. cut. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I was for a long time. I was going to do Dutch Vanderlyn because he's the like the bad guy throughout most of the series. Now listen, quote, unquote, I have quote, a plan. Unquote, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then as yeah. I was thinking about it on my way to pick up my Qdoba, I was like, Edgar Ross is kind of more of a bad guy than Dutch Vanderlyn because. Throughout the Red Dead series, you meet all these bad people who are doing bad things, and you kind of learn more about them, and they're kind of a, a creature created by society passing them by, by technology passing them by. Like, at the beginning of Red Dead Redemption 2, the gang is just like a group of people that wants to live together at a place, and they they have to do some bad things to make money and survive and stuff, but they, in general, just want to be out on their own. And uh, it's everything else that kind of twists and corrupts Dutch Vanderland and other people. And um, but in Red Dead Redemption One, Edgar Ross is the federal agent who kidnaps the main character John Marston's wife and child and tasks him with going out and killing the last members of his gang from Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, That's crazy. Uh, Will Bill Bill Williamson and Javier Escuela. That's it. So he's like, I kidnapped your family. You're going to do the government's work for me, so I don't have to. And you go and kill those two, and John's like, okay, can I have my family back? And he's like, no, no, Dutch Vanderlyn's back. You have to go and kill him now, too. And so he does that, and he's like an a-hole the whole time. Like, like John would be like, hey, where's my wife? Is she okay? And he's like, oh, you didn't hear? She died in a prison riot a week ago. And he's like, no, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> And then uh, after you you finish off your final revenge, he gets his family back. He gets to you, you do a few missions on the farm, and then uh, it turns out oh he he didn't mean to do that. He sends the army after you and kills John Marston. One final act of a holery, because you can't have John living knowing that he worked for the government to do all these things. And, yeah. Uh, and I think what makes him so evil to me is just because he didn't have to do all that. He's he's a federal agent for the the precursor to the fbi like he has the means and, and agents to go and do this himself but he kidnaps a man's family and forces him to do it and then ends up killing him in the end anyways it's just Jesus. it's just yeah. horrible top tier evil yeah seriously yeah. man oh i'm glad that uh, i don't know i was gonna say something but i don't want to spoil the very end of red dead redemption but it, it ends okay 
That's awesome. Your turn. That is super cool. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. I, and I'm also going to circle back around because I, I feel like I, I let her down by not remembering some of the other stuff that she did. But Jeremy Lay, the voice actress for <laughs> Lady Rhea and Fire Emblem Three Houses, has been in a ton of anime. Obviously, she's in Sword Art Online, Fairy Tale, but she also has done plenty of video games. She actually does additional voices of for like multiple uh, bad guy em- enemies in... Um, in Last of Us Part Two, for like the Wolf Militia, oh. and she was also she did like voices for like Marines that were like ODSTs that were in Halo Infinite. She did the the female voice for V in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, mm. which I thought was particularly cool. Um, and she was Fia in Deathloop, so like she's been in plenty of things. But yeah, yeah moving on, moving on from her uh, in in that. So I, I kind of I want to touch on something that I have started to recently play that is not in my normal wheelhouse um sometimes i I defer to to kind of sticking to a lot of big games uh, but i kind of i took a little bit of time earlier this year to just delve into the backlog and try out a a genre in a in a game that is is not something that i typically would do so i tried to pick up metroid fusion and i end up loving it Mm. i absolutely adore metroid fusion and one of the coolest aspects of that game is the uh the sax which is essentially oh. just like the ex organism that Samus is hunting down found like her armor in, in the, the like the premise of Metroid Fusion is cool as fuck because it's basically like Dead Space before Dead Space existed mm-hmm. and it's it's like Samus went to go capture this organism on a planet and then somehow it got out and it bonded with her suit and so she was trapped in it but in order to like get her out the scientists had to like give her some type of vaccine that allowed her to use like essentially absorb the organism and created more powers but in order to do that she had to like bust out of her suit and so that's why she has this new kind of like redesigned blue greenish suit that you'll see in metroid fusion uh but what happened to her original suit is the the actual organism took over it and it's just like inside of it walking around the station and doing really like it is it is tactically hunting down samus it like knows what systems she's going towards like throughout the station to try and like keep it online and keep it from blowing up and it will specifically like do things to hinder her progress and one of the the interesting things is that obviously the the music and the atmosphere and the way they colored that game it lent so much towards like why i i really appreciated but it was like you you know it's a good villain when your heart starts starts beating a little faster and you in like you're super under leveled and all of a sudden you see the sax like walking in a in a pillar or in an area like right below where Samus is just chilling and hanging out. They did such a good job of kind of like teasing uh, the SAX as, as a villain and, and getting it involved until ultimately you have to confront it in the end and, and destroy it so you can get your full gear back. Um, but yeah, so yeah, great, great villain. Did you guys ever play Metroid? Any Metroid Dude. Fusion at all? Hell yeah. Oh my God. Those, when I first played that game, the, the scenes where you do come across SAX and then it cuts to like, the SAS, SAX's face in yes. and it's got those blank yeah. that scared the fucking piss out of me dude that, that can be like, so scary Aww. for kids at that time because I'm imagining like eight, seven, eight year old kids mm. who love like Metroid and then there's to pick up this game and it's like it, they're scaring the shit out of those little kids because it was foreboding and the music was right there with it it was just yeah it was just like a like this drone if I remember correctly it was just like like yeah yeah exactly exactly like that, that. Yeah. And then there's also like some, there's some stuff going on. I haven't actually finished it yet. I'm like 
uh, three-fourths of the way through that game, but there's some stuff going on because there's an AI that's following Samus around, like, giving her directions. But there are also scenes on the back end where the AI is talking to this unknown person who might in some way be connected to Samus in the past or in the future or something like that. And it's 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 really cool kind of machinations they have in that game. But the SAX and just the X in general is really cool. Really cool enemy for an early game. I don't even know when that yeah. came out. Do you know when it came out, Aaron? It's got to be, let me look. I think it was like 2008, possibly. Let me look it up. That was going to be, yeah, right around that. 2002. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. 2002. Wow. yeah. So really I'm early so on. So yeah. <laughs> no. that's uh that's over uh that's over 20 years ago boys oh my gosh stop <laughs> it's still it's wild how how good game boy advance games still yes. look despite being 20 yeah. years old especially the the metroid handheld titles like that and zero mission like they look and, and compared to like super metroid they look really good yeah, and it's like, and that's one of the reasons why I appreciate you, you both of you guys so much, is because on the show you make a point of like honoring and like calling out retro games like from the backlog, and I think it's like a, a piece of magic that that I have started to discover as an avid gamer in the community that like, yes, you know, the, your graphics aren't going to be as intense or lifelike or realistic, but that doesn't mean that there's like really really good artistic work that's put into some of those earlier like 16-bit games that you just cannot disregard. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's that's why chrono trigger was my very first pick because despite being oh fuck when did that game come out oh, like yeah, 94 95 <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it 90s still has, for sure yeah it still has some super deep backstory like it's just so good yeah old older games are good people <laughs> <laughs> get it together people um get your head out of your ass <laughs> so i guess aaron it's back to you buddy Woo. oh shit um, or am i wrong is it tommy no, you're right no, no you're right. that's right Okay, okay. Okay. Oh, this is tough. Again, kind kind of on the opposite spectrum of what we uh, were talking about earlier. I have M. Bison because he's just, oh. just interesting. M. Bison from Street Fighter. Um, okay. He's just this <laughs> He's just this big megalomaniac who uh, he's got like this dictator. Um, and it's kind of complex to him. Like, like, like he wants to rule the world. I, I forget a lot of what his backstory even really is. But yeah, he just... He's just this evil big dude, and he fights using this. He looks like, like a Nazi. <laughs> basically, is, is that wrong to say? No, I don't no, know. no. They have Not a distinctive look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the shoulder pads and the hat for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The hat and the shoulder pads, dude. But yeah, yeah. He fights using this like inherently evil energy that he mastered called Psycho Force. Uh, the goofy ass name, I know, but um, yeah, the. He uh, what is it? he shows up in like, I think Street Fighter Two was the first game he he showed up in. But yeah, Ryu beats him, and uh, of course, like any any good bad guy, he comes back. You know, he's not done yet. What are you doing? And it's like Street Fighter Three or Four, I think, where he basically you find out that he's he's dying because of the strain that the Psycho Force puts on his body. So he needs to find uh, another host. Basically, like he's gonna possess them or put a soul in their body or some shit. So he thinks, oh hey. You know, Ryu beat my ass. Let's take his body, little bitch. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. So he challenges Ryu, and of course, Ryu, uh, Ryu beats him. And you know, he, he still tries to possess him, but uh, but because Ryu has, I guess, because he's so great and he has so many great memories of his life or something. I forget. He, he ends up, you know, uh, basically just fighting it off. Like he's like, "No, it's my body, you fat motherfucker, get out." And then 
and then this other character Rose comes in at the at the same time she punches a hole through M. Bison's body basically to, to ensure that he's fucking dead like punches a hole right through where his heart would be <laughs> what is it uh, he ends up M. Bison ends up possessing her possesses Rose and she goes into like this comatose state the scientists at the the corporation or comp- uh, whatever the fuck he owns the Shadaloo he, he's the head of this corporation called Shadaloo or organization or whatever his scientists make him a brand new body for him to inhabit so he's back again baby and he's on the prowl he's for back it. again <laughs> and yeah. yeah and you know and i think it's street yeah street fighter 5 is when ryu finally like puts his ass down for good like uh his body just fucking disintegrates and m bison is gone bitch get out yeah. of town m bison and yeah he's just that's so what? cool this is the fighting <laughs> video game yeah 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 okay. street fighter i've never i've never played it. i want to play the new street fighter but i've never played a previous one i didn't know that there was all this stuff all this backstory and yeah. lore it's kind of like oh, it's yeah. it's like the answer to to mortal Kombat. but like in that regard with more with mortal Kombat, like what do you think aaron would it take to would do you think like a really super violent like uh just like like really 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 pushing the limits r rating street fighter would go hard or do you think they have to be cheesy corny with it like they are in in some of the earlier uh earlier mortal Kombat movies that's tough because like because street fighter is not really known for being gory and shit but i guess like like art like i guess it doesn't have to be like gory and like it could be like thematically like r rated yeah yeah Yeah, that that could work because okay some some of the shit that goes down in the like some of the story that goes down in those shows is pretty pretty dark but they're not yeah. shows games geez sorry <laughs> yeah yeah didn't they do like a didn't like jean claude van damme do yeah. a street fighter adaptation in the early 90s did you guys ever see that yes well no I've i never saw it. it i know it exists and they also yeah made, i never seen it either they made a video game based on that movie where all the player models what? are the, are the actors fuck. yo that's oh, insane talk about like game. talk about a mind-bending <laughs> movie to video game adaptation loop that just happened right there yeah, holy shit Re- introducing coming this fall to a walmart near you it's street fighter the movie the game <laughs> it's, it's, it's like high school the musical the series yeah, holy shit yeah dude <laughs> that's amazing that's fantastic oh, so so when i before i play street fighter 6 i need to watch like an 18 hour youtube video up recapping the whole story is what you're telling 100%. me 100 percent I, I mean, I, I wouldn't think so because I think uh, Street Fighter Six is like this whole new, this whole new era basically for Street oh, Fighter. Good, good. So you should be fine because like Street Fighter Five, if I if I'm interpreting this correctly, is basically like the end of like this one era, and it's it's all new, all new baby, all new Street Fighter, the yeah. next generation. Yes. It's it's funny that you were like this one isn't really fit in with the rest because mine definitely doesn't. I want to talk about Mike Tyson in Punch Out. <laughs> There's no story. Will would love this. Will would absolutely love this. He's a Punch Out fan, so I love that you chose this one. Yes. There's no backstory here. There's Mike Tyson is just impossible to beat. Absolutely impossible. Um, if you don't know, Punch Out is more of a puzzle game than a boxing game. It's it's oh. like reading your opponent and trying to counter their attacks while timing your punches. I take in. a break. It's like pattern <laughs> recognition. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Dark Souls, but before Dark Souls, because with the timing and countering and stuff. And then uh, it's tough. It's like a, a horrible, horrible, tough uh, process. You have to. It only saves like every three fighters. So if you lose to the third fighter, you have to go through the first ones again. 
and then you get to Mike Tyson, the final boss, and if you take one single uppercut, you get knocked down. Your entire health gets drained, just like that. It just takes one punch from him, and you're down. It's awful. And I love how the referee in this game literally looks like Mario, but oh, just with like a ref shirt on. It's totally Mario. I think it's, it's like totally Mario. Mario. Okay, I'm pretty sure it on. is. That's um, outstanding. <laughs> and I love how like Mike Tyson is towering over your little tiny character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Just as you would in real life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's totally realistic. It nails the yeah. realism. If he hit me with an uppercut, I would be dead. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, 100%. Tell me, before you proceed, I need your best Mike Tyson uh, uh, impersonation. I can't do a Mike Tyson impersonation. I'm sorry. You can't do a Mike Tyson accent? No. He talks so lightly and he has that little lip going on. Have you ever <laughs> seen Mike Tyson Mysteries? No, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> Mike oh, Tyson my... Mysteries, what are you talking about? <laughs> Have you not seen that? No, what is that? It was on, it was on Adult Swim, dude. Look up Mike Tyson Mysteries. They had uh, Norm MacDonald playing this, like, this pigeon. Oh, fuck. Uh, there was a ghost of some dead dude and then his, like, daughter, like, was it actually is Mike Tyson? It, is it the like voice? the the? Oh my gosh! Oh, it's, it's an animated series. Yes. What the fuck is this? It's the funniest shit ever, dude. This looks like a it. Harvey Birdman, like but Mike Tyson. Was it? That's it's, amazing. It's all, did yeah, Mike Tyson do the voice? It was him. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. Who pitched that to him? And even at, like at the end of the episodes, it'll be like this like live action segment where Mike Tyson just says some shit. Like it'll be <laughs> like a quote from something, or he'll just be like. Oh, hello there. And he'll be like eating a grilled cheese or something stupid. <laughs> you need a grilled best. cheese. That's <laughs> dude. Oh my god, a pigeon. He's like this like sex addict fucking alcoholic <laughs> pigeon. <laughs> so good. That's incredible. That's absolutely the unhinged uh you know adult swim content that we need. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. Oh man. It's so fucking good, Tommy. You gotta check it out. It's it's I, Mike Tyson. I will. Check I have to now after bringing up Mike Tyson into this episode. <laughs> Another thing that makes him so hard to fight against is he is like some of his tells for what he's going to do. He winks at you. And that's just like a thing like to wink at someone before you knock him out. That's just so rude. <laughs> also, while researching Mike Tyson and punch out, punch out on the wiki page, they have a, a section for rule infractions. As per the unified rules of boxing established by the Association of Boxing Commissions and Combat Sports, Mike Tyson has four rule infractions in this fight. <laughs> His taunts between rounds are disrespectful to the fight and the opponent. One of his taunts is telling Little Mac to stay down. This can be seen as him trying to get Little Mac to throw the fight. <laughs> his blinking hooks count as rapid punches, which are not allowed in boxing. <laughs> Someone's like, he's cheating, too. He's not following the established rules of boxing. I love that. I love that. He's cheating. He's cheating in a video game, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't even bother with that fight because it's just impossible. I don't even want to try it. I I enjoyed the first earlier rounds, and and I don't even I don't even want to touch Tyson because it's just impossible. I really wish Will was here to see if like he actually because I know he played through this game, but I don't know if he beat Mike Tyson. Mm. He might have. I'm not. I'm not sure. Too. It's definitely possible. Yeah. It's just it takes so much practice and so much reflexes, and it's like frame perfect everything. Oh, yeah. They need to do a. Uh, they need to do. What was it a, a Nintendog spinoff of Mike Tyson's Punch Out called Touch Tyson? That'd be cool. You like you pet him and stuff, and he like giggles. I don't know. Yeah. No. I'm, just, I'm just I'm no, just shitting stuff out. <laughs> Our ad is later. Our ad read is later. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, reel 
us in. Reel us in. Okay. <laughs> okay. So so we're gonna go ahead and and keep on going here. Um, I'm gonna start rubber banding in between, you know, l- less modern stuff or or in coming into some more modern titles. Something Perfect. that's been really uh, that I've had my hands on recently is. Uh, Jedi Survivor is the, yeah, the uh, really Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Yeah, Cameron uh, Monaghan, Cal Kestis, you gotta love it. But um, you know, I, I Fallen Order was well, one of my favorite games of 2019, yes, and it yes. was just an incredible entry into this new heralded Disney Star Wars canon, and they did such a good job with it on just so many levels um, that it just I I couldn't couldn't help but love that game on a lot of fronts, and um and and one of the reasons why is because they have such interesting and like motivated villains who mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. fascinating and, and just fleshed out on on so many levels and obviously i have written down here the second sister yep. her her name is trilla suduri and she is the main antagonist of jedi fallen order and throughout this game essentially cal is you know he's living uh trying to live in the world of a uh, of the empire empire dominated galaxy as a as a Jedi who has cut himself he 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 was traumatized so much as a kid um during the death of his master that he was cut off he cut himself off from the force in order to hide it was almost an unconscious reaction and part of the story is Cal going through different worlds and trying to um you know come into himself again and realizing that he cannot step away from the fight in the battle against the empire and throughout that you know he's building his power you acquire more powers but the entire game you're being ruthlessly hunted down by the second sister who is one of these principal figures of this group called the inquisitors who are essentially darth vader acolytes and they are trained in the ways of the forest and most often a lot of those inquisitors were actually former jedi um, and you go throughout this game and, and, you know, I, if anybody's, I, I, this is really close to Jedi survivor, so I don't want to spoil it for, for anybody, the, the kind of the principal kind of plot twist that you find out closer towards the end, but there are, are several interconnected characters and, and, uh, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Grulon did an amazing job as Trilla in, in getting her just like so intense in the scenes where, you know, obviously most of the game you see this character with her helmet on and she's wearing like almost, you know, I, if you know what an inquisitor looks like from watching the Clone Wars series or you know some of the the newer Star Wars stuff you know what that uniform looks like and it's just so dominating and from the jump she is whipping Cal's ass she is significantly more powerful than him from the jump and it's also attributed to the fact that he's cut himself off from the force Um, but even to the end like the boss fight you have with his second sister at the end of this game is absolutely incredible and it's a boss fight that, that you know has happened before in in star wars history where it's like he doesn't really want to fight her because he knows what happened to her and why she is the way she is and so i just find that really um interesting and motivating to kind of like wrap your mind around and the other uh person that i have to call out from fallen order who is an insane villain and probably one of the coolest star wars characters that i've ever seen is Taron malikos did you guys did both of you guys play this game at all yes i loved it yes okay fantastic you did it. But, uh, Are you interested in, in Star Wars at all, uh, Aaron, or is it kind of like, eh? Um, I mean, I, I I enjoy the movies, and I love reading about the lore of Star Wars because okay. there's a lot. Like, there's yes. a lot. But, um, yeah, f- feel free to, to spoil the okay. games, though. Like, I I don't mind. Okay, absolutely. I'll I'll just get into it. But like, um, there. So you go to Dathomir, which for folks who you know aren't well versed in kind of the expanded universe. Uh, in lore of Star Wars, Dathomir is the home world of the people who look like Darth Maul from episode one. 
and so that's his that's where his species live and they call it like the the brotherhood and there is also another group of people who live there who are called the night sisters um and Cal ends up on Dathomir for one reason or another. I can't remember explicitly like why he went there. I think he just felt like the force calling him there. But he encounters this guy, this this normal human-looking dude um, on there who doesn't really reveal himself or like talk a lot about himself. But it comes, uh, it turns out like as you get you know later on the game, you return to Dathomir for a second time, and this is when essentially he reveals himself as uh, Terran Malakos, who used to be an old Jedi general. He was uh, one of like the great generals during like the Clone Wars, and he survived Order sixty six after he was like betrayed by his clone troopers, and went into hiding. But he was in hiding, and he kind of reclused himself for so long that he went basically fucking insane. And started, you know, dabbling in, in other sides of the forest, you know, also just like the dark side. So he kind of became a Sith over time just naturally. Mm -hmm. um, and then so he went to Dathomir because he knew that there were these Night Sisters there, this culture of people who had this magical energy that was similar to the Force, but also different. And he wanted to learn it. And he also, like, there was a lot of, like, Force power on the planet itself. And so he kind of like wound up there he dominated this tribe of these brother like the the actual brotherhood of, of people who were there and it's it's a weird matriarchal society it's like the night sisters like rule dominion over all of the males of dathomir but also train them it's it's it's, it's a whole thing you kind of have to get into it but um he like became the leader of this one group and just like stayed there he just like resided on the planet to like absorb some of the force energy and so by the time cal comes around he's like hey like I'm actually he he's starting to like talk to Cal very pragmatically. He's like, look, you know what happened in Order 66. You know that there aren't many of us left. Like I have this plan and it's going to involve doing some really bad shit. <laughs> and he's like, but we need to work together to to learn some to get some more power. And he tries to recruit him. Of course, that goes bad. And it leads to one of the coolest fucking boss fights that I've ever yeah, seen with, yeah. a, with a lightsaber in a video game. Hands down, like the way that he moves is just absolutely wild the way that you like would want a crazy powerful sith general he like he like takes off his clothes too and he has all of these like got like scarification he put on himself with his own lightsaber it's just like he's such a sick character and i like i he's one of those that i want to learn more about him and we don't really know what happens to him he kind of like you you think that he kind of like gets entombed yeah. at the end of that boss Either fight but you're not or entombed <laughs> yeah crushed or entombed like you're not really sure what happens but it doesn't really end super well for him but that's also not the most definitive death mm -hmm. on screen like he we didn't get his head body. or his like <laughs> we don't see the body so we don't know if he's like gone gone for sure so yeah really really amazing character taron malikos he's just know. so awesome um oh Aaron, God, Aaron, I love... do we yes. do you care if we skip your turn because i had a character from fallen order as well Ooh, that's fine. Should we do an ad break though? Is it? Yeah. Is it Ooh, that's a good tease. Okay. We'll be right back. Hey, superstars. Are you a coffee addict looking for your next big caffeine fix? Or are you just tired of all the normal boring coffee options out there now? Well, you need to check out Bones Coffee. Bones Coffee has lots of different varieties of coffee flavors. They've got things like red velvet, cookies and cream, s'mores. They've got one that's called Jamaican Me Crazy that's really good. It's like caramel vanilla rum kind of thing. But they also have just your usual, you know, salted caramel and French vanilla and all that stuff. They even have decaf and what's called high voltage, which is just extra strength. And they've also got espresso. They've got all sorts of cool stuff. 
Plus, if you use coupon code SUPERPODSAGA at checkout, you'll get 20% off of your order. And again, that's SUPERPODSAGA at checkout to get 20% off. You can also follow the link in our episode description. And yeah, why not? Use that one-time coupon code. Like I said, 20% off. It's great. Set over to BonesCoffee.com. Get yourself some coffee, some you know, cool gear like mugs or French press kits, stuff like that. Check it out. Okay, bye. And this episode is also brought to you today by our two patrons, uh, a novel console and uh, my friend Jared. Yeah, a novel console. Uh, uh, Chris was on our episode about favorite remakes, remasters, and reboots. He, he's awesome. Uh, he and I bonded over Star Fox and Metroid and stuff. Got a novel console on everything you find podcasts on. And, uh, and Jared, he was also on an episode with me and Nave about about some games we want remastered. And my hands are really cold. And <laughs> Jared's great. He and I talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot. We make fun of each other, and it's awesome. Jared's incredible. Love the guy. I love I love that you specify my friend Jared every time. If you if you subscribe <laughs> to the the Patreon, you will be our friend as well, and we will call you my friend and whatever you're. Oh name man, is. I want to be your guys' friend. Let me subscribe <laughs> to the, the Patreon. Only way to be our friend. Call us the Patreon. Yes, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> this episode also also brought to you today. Tommy, you you take the lead on on this ad. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's uh, you got you got all those cables hanging around everywhere, right? Everyone has their box of cables. Well, now we have a, a the cable duplicator program where you can double the cables you have, so that if you lose any of your cables, you got more cables. Don't worry about what your wife or girlfriend or whoever's living in your house will say. You need these cables. You can never have too many cables. No, please. I'm begging you, Tommy. Oh. I don't want any more cables. I'm begging what you, please. What if you lose one? What if you end up my having... Cat, my cat can't even get in the window because I have this <laughs> tangle of cables in front of it. You have more windows, though, right? Yeah, I guess. So That's you true. need more cables in front of those windows. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't everything be cableless, Tommy? I guess, I guess, because you know, then these folks, these fine folks with the cable duplicator, goes out of business. We can't exactly. have that happening. Don't don't listen to big wireless. They don't want you to know the truth about why cables. Boy, <laughs> let me let me tell you the 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 horror stories I've had with wireless devices. Yes, um, please. Have you tried Have you tried a wireless charger? You probably haven't, because they only work with iPhones and Galaxy phones, motherfuckers. They don't make wireless chargers that work with other phones. I use, I have a Motorola. God, not like I'm your not Nokia iPhone. phones from 2003. Absolutely not. I put my phone <laughs> in the microwave to try and charge it, and it exploded. <laughs> and that is because of big wireless. If I just would have had a charging cable, this wouldn't have happened. I I one time tried to charge my uh, my Bluetooth earbuds by connecting them to a car battery, and they exploded, <laughs> and I lost my hands. Thanks, thanks, big wi- wireless. So now Aaron's just using stumps to type on the keyboard and he's constantly pressing like five letters at the same time because the stump is too big. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want stumps to, to use to type, then you got to make sure to go get the Cable Duplicator program. Thank That's you, true. Cable Duplicator program. You've saved so many people's fingers. We're back? Are we back? Uh, we're <laughs> back. But let's, let's all, all three say it together on the count of three, okay? Okay. We'll, we'll, right, and we're saying we're back. Okay. So, okay. uh, one, two, three. We're, we're back. back. Shit. Oh, no. Good enough. <laughs> Did we fuck it up? <laughs> yeah, whatever, dude. Let's roll with it. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Roll out. Um, 
Man, I, I had someone written down from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which, by the way, is a terrible title uh, amalgamation of words. Really? Yeah, it, it's it's a little messy, but I, I don't know. I kind of like it. The, the colon always throws me off. Yeah, like, they could have just called it Jedi. Fallen Order. Yep, yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyways, I'm going to go into deep spoilers for Fallen Order. So if you don't want to hear deep spoilers, turn off the podcast and go outside. Um, Y'all. I'll put a timestamp down to, or something in the timestamp too, just to be safe. I think cool. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has the best depiction of Darth Vader in a video game. Ooh, because it does. Everything, it does. everything Nick said about the second sister and how she completely overpowers you, how it's a difficult boss fight, how she's just this incredible, unstoppable force. Darth Vader shows up and just kills her. Just like it's nothing. Just shows up. stabs her with a lightsaber she's gone because she couldn't kill cal or capture him or whatever so he's just like okay stab you're dead and then from that point on you have to try and quote unquote fight darth vader but he's he's just an unstoppable force and you have to run away eventually and it's just stuff being thrown at you the environment is getting torn to shreds as everything is just flying all over the place you can't fight him you can barely run away from him it's just it's absolutely terrifying yeah it's just such a terrifying is a great word i was just scared the whole time just because he's just it's it's just that power level thing of showing just how insanely in touch with the dark side and powerful he is and it's just so cool to experience yeah um, go ahead so i i was just gonna say like one of the one of the most interesting parts about it is that like that version of vader feels so consistent with this new era in the understanding of like how powerful darth vader is like if you've watched rogue one like that Mm, vader is consistent with the vader that we see in fallen order at the very end of the game even though cal kestis at that point in time is pretty powerful like he does some crazy shit like he's like absolutely mowing down like these gigantic troll like enemies like it's not even a like a like an afterthought for him and then you know he's confronted with vader and it's just like this this chase semi chase sequence and you're just absolutely powerless against him which is really sad too because like trilla towards the end of that fight which is super beautiful and cinematic fight you're fighting in this like under like this underground arena but it's this underwater base at the bottom of the planet it's like the planet where the inquisitors like take people to you know interrogate them and it's collapsing in and on itself and this this same area was also featured in the obi-wan kenobi show when obi-wan goes Mm -hmm. there to try and save like baby leia and um it's just like it's such an interesting sequence because as you're fighting her you see her kind of like her personality changed throughout the course of the fight and then finally like she gets just absolutely murdered it's this very like a stark event that happens and you don't get a lot of time to process it because you just got to run away from vader and and seeing her face too like everyone's just kind of standing there and you just hear the breathing and you see her face just drop because she knows that like (laughs) vader is right there and it's it's the end and I don't remember her name, the the woman who was kind of helping Cal get in touch with the Force. He runs at Vader, too, and he just, like, waves his hand and throws her over a cliff. Or not a cliff, but, like, the, the edge of the area. So it's just like, man, he's just, he's too powerful, that guy. Someone should do something yeah. about him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I you think, can... uh, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Um, uh, I was. He said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the one character I think that you were referring to was the, which is kind of like the mentor for Cal. Yeah. Um, I believe that's Siri. That's or, it. Yeah, yep. Siri Junda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When um when does the game 
take place like like as far as the movies go it is before episode four so between three and four holy shit yep Mm -hmm. and you see a lot of like really important like canon tons of things happen in like in that timeline you see like the like conquering of kashik like the empire basically decimating kashik and like enslaving the wookies like you live through that um yeah, that was that was a really deep one. And then you see like the beginning of the game starts off where you're working in a scrapyard planet where they're decommissioning all of the clone um like clone destroyers and turning them into star destroyers, which is really sick. Nice. That's you go, cool. You go to the planet where they uh the Jedi of the past would get their Kyber crystals to make their lightsabers. You go to that planet. Ilum, yeah, dude. Oh, so good. Holy shit, dude. It's yeah. huge. It's not just like a, a Star Wars adjacent video game. It's like deep in the Star Wars universe. Like it's important stuff. And they chose and they chose one of the coolest characters from Shameless to go along with it. That's pretty sweet. Wait, who is in Shameless? Yeah. Uh-huh. Was it is, uh, was Cameron uh, Monaghan in that? Yeah, he plays Ian. He's the oh, uh he's the third oldest child. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to watch that show now. They, it's they, good. They have to it's be. Great. They have to have a plan for Cal to be in a TV or movie, right? Because he's he's an they actor with a with a face that they use yeah. in the in the show, so they could easily put him in a TV show. Or yeah, movie. I think they're gonna wait for a really yeah. really specific moment, and, and gonna it's gonna freak be freak out. I'm yeah, gonna it's gonna be mind. like a very <laughs> hype moment, and then Cal Kessis is gonna walk on screen, and we're yeah. gonna like lose our minds yeah. in theater. It's gonna be awesome. I'm- Tommy's just going to go, eee! <laughs> there will be like three of us in the theater saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All three of us who have beaten Fallen Order yeah. for sure. <laughs> I'll come with you just to like throw some extra eeks in there. <laughs> I'll you. be like yeah. baritone because my voice yeah. is low. I don't know if, if baritone is low or not. Whatever the, the low Baritone is low. Is. It's, it's the, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be like, yeah, you're going to throw some popcorn in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be the start of our Star Wars quartet. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of quartets, my uh, oh, wait, are you are you guys done yeah. with the Star Wars? No, you're good. Okay. Okay. My uh, oh yeah. <laughs> my next one is it's kind of tied to an existing property already. It's uh, it's Joker from the Arkham series. Ooh, nice pick. Yeah, that's a good one. Joker's already that. an interesting character because like his exact origin. Well, I mean, I guess in the comics. They they kind they kind of go into it, but like in the Arkham series, it's completely unknown because like mm-hmm. they have those little um, tapes or voice logs or whatever you'll read every you'll or not read. God damn it, listen to every so often. <laughs> hey, uh, read our podcast, please. No, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, they have those little little voice logs of like Hugo Strange going back and forth with the Joker, and the Joker will like pitch him some random bullshit like origin story that he he can think of, and mm-hmm. uh, they'll say like, oh, he's just. He's just doing this to avoid the responsibility of whatever caused him to go down the path that he's on now or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, he, the Joker's just great because, like, he doesn't want, you know, like a million, billion, kajillion dollars. And, like, he doesn't want control of anything. Like, he just wants to fuck Some shit up, chaos. basically. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, uh, as as stated by by Sir, Sir Michael Caine in, uh, <laughs> in what was it, uh, uh, Dark Knight? Yeah. Uh, some people oh, I just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, exactly, dude. Oh <laughs> my god. And then and he has this like transformation that you can kind of see throughout like the whole Arkham series as well, too. Cause like uh at the end of I believe it's Arkham Asylum, he uh ingests those like chemicals that, that make him mm-hmm. super swole and like super buff. Super energy and of course, drink. 
yeah basically big monster big big dick monster <laughs> energy drink and he gets his ass beat shout out to, to big drink energy they're they're cool guys by the way mikey tabletop is in our server but such a good name um yeah <laughs> great name yeah 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 then uh yeah joker gets his ass beat and then in arkham city um you see that like because he ingested those toxins he's he's fucking dying like his yeah. body is he just... yeah is he like oh, yeah. wasting yeah. away yep he's got, i like, really a... need to go back and play the arkham series again. yeah he's got like an iv and everything and he's having trouble yep. breathing holy shit yeah and and basically he um what is it he he injects some of like of his blood that has all that toxin and shit he injects some of it into batman um and, and then batman's was... dying <laughs> yeah fuck and, and basically i i forget what the, the whole thing was but um then yeah then then you finally uh i guess the joker dies i think it's in i think it's, it is in arkham city because like because then throughout like arkham knight which which is like the final i guess arkham arkham game like you'll see little little flashbacks or like you'll see like little i guess hallucinations of the joker here and there because like he's actually gone and like that was basically batman's other half yeah because yeah. like they're basically like yin and yang you know like the joker would be there to cause some bullshit and batman would show up and then it, it just... yeah it just kind of i love that it goes into that thing like everyone always says like oh there can't be a batman without a joker and the arkham series is like well what if there wasn't how does that happen and yeah i also love seeing a bad guy actually face consequences for his actions like you see with what happened with the joker in arkham city because he yeah. does in in arkham asylum he does that bad guy thing where he's like now i'm a big monster ah. yeah yeah and exactly then the second one, he's like oh that was not good i'm dying oh yeah that was a terrible choice <laughs> i think there was uh i guess like kind of a spoiler like it turns out like he wasn't dying or something it was like um that was like one of his clones created by like clayface <laughs> or something like that like he's what? actually fine or something i never what finished city so i don't holy I don't... shit yeah i never finished city either <laughs> oh man what a good yes, series sir. Fuck yeah, it is. Those, oh my god. I bought I the uh, I bought the Ar Arkham collection on PlayStation. I don't know if it was on sale at the time, but I grabbed it because I have that. And then I'm also, I'm, I mean, I pay for the PlayStation Plus like basic tier, and so I have access to the collection, and that that like gives you, I think Arkham, uh, I think Arkham Asylum, or I cannot. It's not the first one, but it's like the last one. Arkham Knight, I think, is the one that's on the PlayStation mm -hmm. Plus collection. So I, I need to like do a re-review of that series because I've played like through bits and pieces of it, but every single moment I understand like it, uh, it just like it hits all of the notes that you wanted to hit. And yeah. is it not like one of Kevin Conroy's like last pieces of work in the series? He yes, and then he did record for Suicide Squad, the game coming out. Okay. Um, God, oh, but we didn't even say that's, Mark that's Hamill. Mark Hamill's voice acting is amazing. Yeah, dude. So he was. He so Mark Hamill was Joker. Joker. Yep. Outstanding. I he is the Joker voice for me, regardless of anything else. Like that's that's what yeah. I hear in my head. I think he had to stop doing it because I remember reading something where he was like, "Yeah, like doing that voice repeatedly over time actually was really bad for me," sure. and so I had to I had to you know take a break and step back from the role. But but yeah, it's such a good he did such a good job to be a real real Joker. Um, another just really tiny fun fact about Arkham Asylum. They, uh, if, if you pirated the game, they had a thing that could catch that and everything was totally normal in the game until you got your cape and your ability to glide and they coded it so that your cape would be ripped and you wouldn't be able to glide anywhere. So you were stuck at that point in the game and couldn't That's progress any further. Huh. It's really cool. Um, yes. since I already did my turn. It's your turn, Nick. 
oh awesome that's really exciting because i i think i have a a good one this is a this is a spicy take that i think (gasps) will make people really mad at me um but Robot I'm going to go, saga. yeah, man, uh, I'm going to go with Ellie from The Last of Us Part 2. Um, oh, I was not yeah, expecting dude. that. <gasps> yeah, yeah, she, um, so, so The Last of Us Part 2, I mean, this is not a spoiler for anybody who kind of understands the story. Unfortunately, there probably will be people out there who have only ever seen the HBO series for The Last of Us, but. Me. Yeah. Oh, really? You haven't played through the games, Aaron? I played through no, the first I... one. And I watched I, okay. I've never owned a PlayStation. Well, I own a PlayStation 3, but I own a game. I've never owned a PlayStation 4. Okay. So, The Last of Us Part 2, do you guys, like, kind of know yeah, what I know happens, though? Thing. I know everything. Okay. No, I, I don't know anything. I can okay. I can read up on it afterward, though. Okay. Okay. Unless... Uh, if you're not... If you don't want to be, like, spoiled, I mean, I can go into spoiler. it a little bit spoiler. without, like, major spoilers. But I will... <laughs> like we'll, We're going to go ahead and, and go forward. So, Ellie, obviously... Um, you know, for the beginning, the premise of The Last of Us Part Two, like the inciting event, is the fact that uh, Joel gets his fucking head crushed in by a nine iron yep. um, through this character named Abby, who turns out to be one of the coolest fucking characters in the Last of Us franchise, and it, which is a franchise I just I dearly love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's incredibly re- well written. I think that Neil Druckmann is like one of the top of his class when it comes to narrative design and development, and I you know there's a reason why it's a super famous franchise now, and like they're you know very heavily commercializing it we have sequels and you know new multiplayer games coming out but the last was part two kind of centers around ellie and she is the main playable character um and she's a really fun character you actually get to play her at the very end of the last of us part one um when you're uh, leading up towards fighting david and so you're trying to survive you're trying to save joel everything that happens in the show uh, but the last of us part two immediately starts out and you get into a situation with Joel and you basically get cornered um, by these people who are part of the the WLF um, or the Washington Liberation Front. They're also known as wolves. And Abby is one of these characters and she's a super big yoked out um, girl who's like in her like mid 20s and she basically just murders Joel. And you come to find out um, that she is the daughter of one of the doctors that Joel murdered at the very end of last oh. part one. So he was one of the doctors in the room. And it's very funny, um, Aaron, because like at the end of the show, the last of us where he like walks into the room and there are these two doctors and the one like whips out a scalpel. And he's like, I won't let you take her. And, and uh, Joel shoots him in the face. That was Abby's dad. And oh. like, and it's interesting too, because there were two nurses in the room and one of the nurses in the show is Laura Bailey, and she plays the voice. She she is the voice actress of Abby in The Last of Us Part Two. So there's like interesting parallels there. They got both Troy Baker and, and Ashley and and uh, and Laura in on the on the show, which was very nice to see as a fan of the game. But when The Last of Us Part Two is like a, a revenge journey. Sorry, what was that, Aaron? Oh, sorry. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. I just want to. Okay. That's why. So like, so when the show ends, is that when the first game? ends is that... yes yeah they lined it like up exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. yep okay. and there's there's a lot of like basically the last thing you see in the last of us is when joel takes ellie out of the hospital and yeah. she's asking him what happened because she was sedated that whole time and he's like mm-hmm. they you know they said that the vaccine wouldn't work there were other people like you and that it just it's why? not gonna pass yeah. and she knows that it's a lie and that's where it ends and so you start the last of us part two and the love between the two of them is still very much there but 
Ellie became estranged from Joel because of his lie. And as you go and play throughout The Last of Us Part Two, there are flashbacks in certain scenes, um, and they have a kind of a reconciliation. And, you know, there there's still this just, like, deep love because he continued to mentor, to father her. He taught her how to play music, all this stuff um, when they went back because there was a significant period of time where they just weren't in any crazy shit. They just stayed in Jackson uh, with his brother. Uh, but, you know, after Joel basically gets killed it's a revenge journey and Ellie is hunting down Abby and there's a lot of stuff that she has to go through through there, but there are several moments through the game, several really pivotal moments where Ellie could choose to take a nonviolent path, to take a path that didn't involve her brutally murdering stuff. And you see throughout the last of us part two, and it starts off where she captures like one of the wolf militia members and she has the like option to like let them go. And she doesn't. And like you're forced to, as the player, decimate this one character and that's like the start of her kind of slowly going down this path of like becoming unhinged and you know being insane and it's also you know kind of paired up with like you're in the situation tommy is also trying to go after abby and tommy is uh joel's brother and so like you have this yeah (laughs) you have this (laughs) you have this like dual this tandem um storyline these routes that are like going through in the last of us part two and you know that the route like kind of suddenly ends after maybe about 25 to 30 hours in the game and then you restart the game and you start playing that through abby's perspective and this is where you start to seriously deeply understand that ellie is a has become an incredibly flawed individual like she's become kind of insane because abby like as she's going through at it like you uh, you get to know her better because everybody hated her at first you hate like this this individual who's expressed herself only to you by like murdering the man that you fell in love with in the first game and then you start to realize what happened to her and like where she came from um and there's literally a boss fight scene you're when you're playing as abby um and it's in this like theater this old theater and you're fighting against ellie and it's probably one of the most tense, scariest moments in the entire second game. It's uh, it's really, really special. But she, um, yeah, she, she, the the game ends, and you're playing from Ellie's perspective. And without kind of going into too much spoilers, of what happens towards the tail end of the game, she loses almost everything she loves, like all of it gets lost because of her choice to kind of pursue this path of vengeance um and it's also her like experiencing ptsd and like the game like she's like alone at the very end of the game and she kind of just like walks into the woods and that's how the last of us part two ends and you're kind of just like let's let's sitting there after this you know maybe 40 plus hour experience and you're just like this the the weight of that whole story kind of on your on your head and on your shoulders you're just kind of like woof yeah, that was a, there were a lot of mistakes that were made there. So yeah, she has to be she has to be one of the top villains uh, on my list. I'm happy you brought this up because I I've never played The Last of Us two because I never owned a, anything past a PlayStation three. But like I said, I read up on the whole story and it really connected with me. Like I this is like a me personally thing, but I've always been kind of like against the whole revenge thing. Like mm-hmm. an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind is something I try and live by. I'm not gonna try and get revenge on someone for. I'm just gonna like try and live my life better. And I feel like the reason that The Last of Us Two kind of was so polarizing was because it's trying to tell you, it's trying to like make you look at revenge and be like, is it worth it? Is it actually like 
why do you go to all these lengths just to make something even? You're going to destroy yourself by doing this. And and yeah. that's not something that video games usually do. Like, yeah, even even my one of my earlier picks, Red Dead Redemption, the, the main thing at the end is you getting reden- re- revenge on your on John Marston dying on your father dying at the end. Right. And, right. and this game <clears throat> twists that and, and makes you look at yourself and and kind of, uh, yeah, just place a mirror on, on revenge. And is it worth it? Which man, it's just it's so good. I'm, I'm happy that a story like that exists in video games. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such an important story. And, and it's also I think there's uh, people kind of give it a lot of flack because they say like the narrative dissonance is a little bit hypocritical because Neil wants to tell us the story that the cycle of violence is bad and like revenge is bad. But the entire game is centered around you like brutally, like actually like incredibly like brutal murders like both against oh like normal God. npc but as well as like actual like main characters like i mean you kill pregnant people um in this like show like it's it were rather the, the game show that we we may have both made the same mistake Aaron. but yeah no it's it's so important but i think also like the idea of i think the performative aspect of the last of us and like actually playing through that game is what makes it one of those top tier games and what makes it kind of have a more deeper meta commentary because it is neil and the game designers forcing you to live through these moments and think about what you're doing and recognizing what you're doing as this character is wrong and you shouldn't be doing it like you know you think about like towards the tail end of the game uh abby gets captured by these fucking insane psychopathic people there's like this tribe of people and they're like you're not really sure if they're cannibals or or what's going on but they're like super bad like kind of just this tribal group of folks who have hoarded resources but they like they like literally capture abby who's this incredibly strong and and willful character and they they break her and the towards the tail end you're playing like at last time as ellie and you're hunting down abby for the final time and you're going there knowing that you know your partner and your child like might not be there when you return and you find abby who's been crucified on this beach with a bunch of other people and you like cut her down and and like the ending of the game is just it's so intense because it's like this this fight between the two of them on the beach and it's both of them are completely just decimated at the point in the game and it's just like why are we continuing with the violence but it's um yeah it speaks to you in a lot of different ways and i think it also serves an interesting purpose of speaking to a different types of people in multiple mm-hmm. ways as well like different like you're gonna everybody's gonna take something different away from this game um which i think is why it's like just so compelling in general but yeah last was part two oh, play God. it play it. if you have a I... ps4 ps5 play it so well, I have many questions and many things I want to say, but I yeah, I don't want to like I don't want to stop you and interrupt you, but um, so I does the does the show pretty much follow the the first game down to a T, or are there like parts that are missing that you don't get? There are parts that are missing. Um, there are like subtle changes, and a lot of it is like you know they they cut out some of the gameplay. Something that you don't really right. realize is that so much of The Last of Us is all like a lot of the storytelling that happens is very contextual throughout the gameplay, but they didn't have that option or that opportunity. There are moments that they recreated in the HBO show that were like one for one the shots that you get in the game. And so it's very similar, especially like it comes to mind, like for example, like the fight that they have with this like local militia happened in, I think Kansas city versus in Pittsburgh. So it's kind of like different things are having a different like areas. And and there are some characters that they made up for the show that weren't in the, the actual game itself. But I imagine like the last of us part two has a really expanded 
Like they have a lot of characters in that game. And so I can't imagine that Craig Mazin and Neil would like really want to go out of their way to create more characters for the second season. But what I will say, Aaron, is that like if you just watch the show, I guarantee you they're going to do just enough to give you all of like the must know details. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting prospect for me, though, is to see how they're going to tell that story. Because yeah, yeah. The Last of Us Part, like, because that's one of the criticisms, the criticisms that I made of The Last of Us Part Two was that it should have been more integrative. Like, we should have changed perspectives the way that uh, George Martin changed perspectives in his characters in, in the Game of Thrones series, as opposed to playing for thirty hours as one character and then playing for another twenty-five to thirty hours as like this other main playable character, um, because that gives you a lot of fatigue. And I know that that was purposeful. They wanted to fatigue their players in this game, but it's just like, damn, like I, I need something. I need a little bit more help to, uh, to kind of make it through that like really dark 40 hour experience. Ah, damn. That's, yeah. I mean, if I, I, I kind of wasn't as interested in, uh, like before I watched the show, I didn't really give a fuck about the game. So like, I didn't know anything about them. I just assumed it was another like, I guess third person survival game, but after watching the show, like the story really fucking gripped me. Like the um mm-hmm. yeah. Who were the two dudes that were secluded in that one town? The one there's like Nick Offerman and the other dude. Oh yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. Bill and Frank. Yep. Yeah, Bill yeah. and Frank. They're in the, that, the game as well. Yeah. That part the the part where they that fucking ruined me. Like where yeah, they uh same. they they die together and everything. Like, yeah. oh God. And the um, awesome thing is is that that's not even in the game. None like of that you is. meet like in the game, um, they change a little bit of the storyline and because they could and because like it's Nick Offerman, like how are you not going to like use him to the yeah. most of the, the best of your yeah. ability? But like in the game, you actually meet Bill in Bill's town and he has this whole area that's been like changed and you actually have to fight against some of the like local marauders that or, or uh, infected that have come into the town and you're fighting alongside Bill and he's kind of this crass, like very just angry person and he's the represent like his uh he, he actually lived talked about this in a recent episode bill is the foil to joel because bill is a representation of what joel was going to become if he didn't have anything left to live for and you see that in the game and and it's a, that's one of the most interesting things about the show too is because they they chose to give almost an entire different like perspective of like him saying no i don't i don't want to live for anything else like you are the one that i love when he's you know dealing with frank at the end there so oh. yeah really good stuff powerful really good yeah. i just enjoy how fucking like i guess bleak like bleak and mm, uh yeah what's another word i'm searching for that's like synonymous with bleak um I guess just dark, like how, how bleak and dark the the story is to that game. Like the, I guess like the world. Have you ever seen the movie The Road? No. Yeah, that's uh that's with Viggo Mortensen, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That it it reminds me a lot of that movie because it was just like it, I guess I can't say for sure whether whether you know one was a lot like more grim than the other one, but uh, I I really enjoy shit like that and that actually yeah. uh. I, I I'm not gonna buy a whole like PS5 or PS4 for the game, but I'll probably like watch a playthrough of it or something. But that that, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, like I would say find like your favorite person to like watch playthroughs on because like the game also is incredibly cinematic for people who know what they're doing. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but like for people <laughs> who know, like like I've seen clips. You know, I think Sunni Legend 
uh, posted a clip of him playing as Abby, and like there's one scene where he like that you you are on an old um, like oil tanker, and you're trying to get like traverse across it to get closer to this beach, and um, there's like several encounters, and this guy's like whipping out weapons and like parrying like infected and rolling around and like throwing grenades at the exact right spot. It's it's insane what someone who's like super skilled can do in those games. So yeah, highly recommend. Nice. Who's uh whose turn is it now? It's it your mine? turn, Aaron. Okay. This this I mean this is kind of a it's not necessarily a, a hot take. I wanted to have like there were two characters I wanted to put down, but I only wanted to do like one character per franchise kind of. So mm-hmm. uh, I went with the okay. Final Fantasy villain. Um and I didn't want to be like everybody else and go Sephiroth <laughs> or Kefka. I wanted to go Kuja from Final yes. Fantasy Nine. It's my favorite game. The man with and, the hips. Uh, yeah dude kuja is so interesting because like so um like a little bit of backstory for final fantasy 9 basically there's 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 two worlds to final fantasy 9 there's gaia which is the one that almost all the game takes place in and then there's terra which is inhabited by uh this uh i don't know the specifics behind garland but uh garland basically created this it terra is like it's this world that's slowly dying like there's not a lot of resources like there's just fucking nothing um and garland is essentially trying to uh i guess recreate recreate the world basically um and so he's made these artificial beings called genomes which um they're they're basically zidane and 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 kuja like they're the people with monkey tails basically garland's plan plan is to i guess transfer souls of the terran people the genomes two souls on Gaia and eventually merge the two worlds. Um, and he does that basically by like, he, he creates Kuja as this, like basically this warmonger, like death. Um, and basically like every time, every time somebody died in Gaia, um, a soul from Terra would take the place of somebody that that's been born in Gaia and stuff. And, um, Kuja was just uncontrollable. So Garland says, well, fuck that shit. I'll, I'll make a new angel of death you motherfucker if i can't re- reel you in i'll make one that, that will obey my commands so yeah. he makes he makes zidane um or zidane or or zidane i don't know how people say it I, i've always said i've zidane. always heard zidane yeah yeah so he makes zidane as, as basically like his his ultimate angel of death like like the one and he was it he he starts he he's not, normally when he is zidane not the protagonist of nine yeah he is oh sick so you're you're playing as the ultimate angel of death in this <laughs> exactly. game. That's actually really cool. Yeah, and and so normally when when Garland makes one of his genomes, he just kind of starts them off like, I guess middle aged or teenaged or something like that, um, just so he can kind of, I guess, kickstart rebuilding the world. Because if you started with like a, just a shit ton of fucking babies, like what do babies do? They just shit and piss and poop and pee. So uh, this time this time around though, he starts Zidane off as uh, as a child. Because so so um, in Final Fantasy Nine, the uh, when your characters there's like a bar that fills up and puts them into what's called trance, and trance is like is this like latent ultimate energy within like any character, but of course your emotions have to be like it to be strong enough to experience trance, and because each character I guess personifies a certain emotion, um, or each of the main character, each of your party characters, sorry personifies like a certain emotion and that's what allows them to to experience trance to go into trance and and because Zidane started off as a child his emotions developed I, I guess developed more than Kuja's like he had 
this whole you know lifetime to I used to, to develop all of his emotions and and that is what allowed him to uh, enter trance as he does and that's what makes him the ultimate angel of death because he's just just leagues far more powerful than Kuja ever will be but um, Kuja finds out that he's being replaced and he's just this basically like, like a child in a, in a in a man's body this extravagant flamboyant man that's essentially just a child <laughs> Kuja finds out about this and he's like, fuck that shit. So he takes Kid Zidane, kidnaps him, and just drops him on Gaia. And he thinks, like, that's the end of that. And just does the little hand washing off thing. And my tie. Yeah, as you know, Zidane ends up joining Tantalus and all that shit. But, um, but then, yeah, as you later on in the game, it's like toward the end, Kuja does finally go into trance. And, um, yeah, he's just completely unhinged and sadistic and like he he only knows like war and like killing and death and shit like that like he just it's, it's just it's so interesting like he, he sounds basically exactly like sephiroth <laughs> that's and, really uh, cool yeah and altamicia and shit like yeah. that but he's just i can't he, believe i'm reading a little excerpt here that he enslaved bahamut one of the summons <laughs> is that right yeah yep, that's yep, insane yep, yeah, totally. so this dude is obviously like his power level is just you know, way over 9,000 at this point compared to yep. everyone else. But he's not like he, Zidane is just, is just far more powerful than him, of course. But, okay. Um, yeah. And like, I guess Kuja was basically just like, you're powerful, like shout out powerful. And then, but Zidane isn't like fully, like as fully developed as Kuja. So it, it's basically like, like with Dragon Ball Z, how like, if, if you guys know anything about Dragon Ball Z, Gohan oh, yeah. is far more powerful than Goku ever will be. But Gohan is just, He's younger. He hasn't developed all that shit yet. It's the same thing with like yeah. Zidane and, and Kuja, but yeah. And he also doesn't give a fuck about fighting, so he doesn't. He's he'll never be as powerful <laughs> as his dad. Yeah, dude. That's it, Kuja. You uh, you you inspired me, uh, Nick. I actually changed my last pick. You you, you made me remember some stuff. Okay. Uh, my last pick is going to be Captain Martin Walker from Spec Ops: The Line. Oh, okay. You, have either of you played oh, Spec Ops: The Line? Spec Ops is something that I own in my Steam library, and it's been in my backlog that I, I really want to play it. But that's that's okay. You go ahead and let me know about this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna spoil I've, I've everything. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard like the big twist about this game, um, and so I'm I'm right. I'm here for this shit. Uh, I have I haven't played it for like a decade, so excuse any mistakes I make, uh, listeners. But uh, so essentially, it's it starts out as your typical war game. You are part of a military. Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're. This is from 2009, so it's right in that era where Call of Duty Battlefield was was the biggest thing. Yeah, um, and you're you're in a military unit that goes to Dubai because there is another military unit that has gone rogue, and you are sent there to stop them. So that you have to go. You, it's pretty typical throughout the beginning. You're you're shooting through some insurgents. You're shooting through some military people who are bad guys. It's it's your typical stuff, and then. Uh, at one point, you're you're getting overwhelmed, and they're the bad guys are getting too close to civilians. So you make a decision to unload a bunch of white phosphorus on the bad guys to take them out once and for all. Oh shit! And you go over there and find that oops, you accidentally killed a whole ton of civilians. And uh, the fuck. And so Captain Martin Walker is like, I can't believe that <laughs> the the thirty third, which is the rogue. Uh, people I can't believe they did this we have to get our revenge and so from that point on he just kind of loses it and he just kind of gets more and more insane in his quest for revenge and 
like t keeps doing more and more terrible things for the city of Dubai. Like he wipes out their their water supply. He he um, the the commander John Conrad of the thirty third is in radio contact with him and puts him through all these moral dilemmas. Like he puts two people up and he's like, you have to kill one of them. Are you going to kill this person or this person? It's like, there's no right or wrong choice, but throughout the whole thing, you're just making life far worse for the civilians than, than they were beforehand. And uh, at the end, you get to where the 33rd is holed up. You go inside and Conrad's dead. He's been dead a long time. Uh, and it, it turns out that you were, uh, Martin Walker was imagining him in his head because he couldn't handle what happened with killing the civilians with the white phosphorus and kind of lost it and went on this rampage through Dubai and his way to make his brain okay with it was to say this is Conrad's fault. It's not my fault for doing all this. This is this is Conrad's fault for making me do mm. this essentially. Holy and, shit. Yeah, and throughout all of the game there's there's parallels drawing that to you as a player as well playing this military shooter like it starts off with their voice lines being like typical military stuff like they're flanking me on the left or tag them and bag them all that stuff but by the end martin is just screaming as he's shooting he's just yelling bloody murder or just like i'm gonna kill these motherfuckers and just like going nuts and the loading screens between areas will say things like it starts off with just hints like hit square to reload or whatever but eventually be like are you having fun or it'll be like, is this what you get a kick out of killing people? Things like that. What? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and so cool. They're they're like, if you if you take a look at the billboards as you're going by, you'll see your face on them and it'll say, I don't remember what it says. It says something to in a similar vein though, about about killing and stuff. And so it's just like, yeah, it's it's it it's a whole thing where you you are definitely the bad guy in this story and you can as like when you're playing a video game and you're playing a shooter, you're technically a bad guy. You're killing lots of people and spec off the line really makes you like, look at yourself and be like, why is this fun to me? Why is it fun to kill people and murder and stuff? And it's just God amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a, you know, such a great commentary on all of that, yep. especially something that I think that the, the audience and, and people, you know kids probably needed at that point in time when you know yeah. call of duty is absolutely influencing you know potentially people's opinions on whether or not they want to like actually enlist in the army and yeah. the glorification of like that modern warfare that you see i mean it's the name of the fucking franchise yeah. so it's like i i yeah. love that i love that concept where they're taking that and they're turning it on its head and be like yeah you you like this don't you you sick fuck yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so good did not get enough credit <laughs> for for telling an amazing story because all the the advertising and just looking at it just looks like a generic shooter yeah oh yeah 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 i'd love that yeah say so, so it probably kind of flew under the radar there which is why i didn't get my hands on it but yeah always always heard great things from spec ops the line okay your turn nick take us out Cool. Well, I'm going to try and pick a really good one because uh, there's there's a couple out there that I, I have a little bit of a bigger list. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about uh, Bioshock. And yeah. I want to talk about yes. Frank Fontaine, baby. Uh, yeah, Bioshock are such a cool game. I have some of the, I have some artwork, some commission, I, well, some artwork Ooh. behind me uh, that that probably people could see if they watch the stream or something like that. But it's a, it's a really cool 
awesome game and they play with a lot of different themes uh for folks who don't know anything about bioshock essentially the premise is is that you are uh just some rando that's on a that's on a plane and all of a sudden the plane crashes in the middle of the ocean and you are you basically survive the crash and you swim out and they're the only thing close to the wreckage is this little tiny island with a lighthouse sticking up out of it so you you walk into it and uh you you decide to like try and like see if you can't find anything there and it turns out the lighthouse is just an entrance to uh the actual underground city um called rapture which was something that was built in, you know, I, I, the, everything kind of takes place in that pseudo. You're not really sure the point in time, but it's very much got this stylized, like, gilded age, like 1940s, 1950s architecture um, that's inside there. But it's this place that was uh, built and founded um, by this dude who's this absolutely kind of, like, kind of megalomani- another, like, me- megalomaniacal uh, scientist who you know, had enough business sense to bring enough scientists down with him to, to create this functioning, thriving city uh, full of, like, technology and stuff kind of below the surface. Um, and they had a good thing going there for a while. He kind of, like, they had everything set up, and they, they kind of took a bunch of Nazi scientists down there, too, and, like, used some of their notes on experimentation. But as you're playing throughout this game, you get uh, in, encountered by, like, a, a, a little sister and a big daddy. Who are these, you know, characters? These gigantic, like, uh, characters that are stomping throughout the city. But yes, yeah, so that's kind of the, the, you know, the gameplay in, in what you see while you're in Rapture. But one of the principal antagonists of the game, which is really interesting, is is this person who you kind of hear whispers about from other NPCs called Frank Fontaine. And Frank is this really scary character. Like you come across some like pretty like grody people down in Rapture. Like the ones who have been able to survive are because they're survivors and they're willing to do anything. So you're talking about the worst of the worst. And even they talk about like Frank Fontaine with like whispered, um, I don't know if reverence is the right kind of, you know, adjective to use in that case, but they, they, they're scared of this dude. Like nobody wants to fuck with Fontaine. Um, and he even has his own like little business inside of Rapture called Fontaine Fisheries. And so you're starting to learn like little subtle context clues, but, um, throughout the game, as you're being pulled through this journey, um, and you're trying to figure out a way to essentially escape, like you kind of just like want out, but there are several moments, a lot similar to, you know, dead space where it's like, you got to do stuff down there in order to make your way through and out um and you know part of that is you know confronting uh this guy who uh andrew oh god what is this andrew ryan andrew ryan exactly yes Mm -hmm. so sorry yeah andrew ryan who is kind of the the big shit that's running things and he is technically the antagonist of the game uh but throughout it you're helped out by this mysterious character who is kind of like he's this like very nice irishman like he's this dude like you see him very early on in the game and he's the one that's kind of guiding you through your comms he's like go through this door go you know take care of this thing would you kindly like you know figure out like if you can you know do this sort of thing and and that's the thing that he always says to your playable character would you kindly and so towards the end of the game you finally confront andrew ryan and basically you you fucking kill him and yeah. the way in the way that you kill Andrew, you find, kind of figure out that Andrew Ryan actually is your playable character's biological father. And you as the playable character were this kid that he had and that he basically manipulated and trained and like brainwashed it to be like his assassin. And you're sent up to like, you know, take out some of his political opponents. But you've been conditioned and trained to answer to certain uh, trigger words. And one of those triggers is would you kindly 
and you realize that this guy who has been helping you out and it's been this you know positive voice has been the one guiding you throughout this entire game has been Frank Fontaine all along and he's just been you know the master with the puppet strings and he's just been stringing you along being a completely different person and you have this like final showdown with him and it's so interesting I actually talked to, to William about this as I was playing through the game because so much of what they were influenced by uh, you know when when making this game was Atlas Shrugged and some of the iconography that Ayn Rand kind of set up there and as like you do it like you basically the substance in the game called Adam that people are injecting themselves with to give them the superpowers and your playable character has superpowers too. Frank like takes this huge fucking vial or like multiple vials and puts himself in this contraption and injects him with self with so much Adam that he becomes this like golden like figure and he looks like he's solid metal and it's literally just the the character of Atlas that you see on the it's very similar to the character of Atlas that you see on the front cover of Atlas Shrugged and it's like it's so fascinating kind of the ties tie in there and, and and just the rhetorical symbolism of like who Frank Fontaine is and how he corrupted this once thriving kind of um, neo civilization that was set up under the water so great character great game everybody should play Bioshock. It's too scary for me, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it's fucking terrifying. I played this game not knowing what Bioshock was all about, not realizing how terrifying it is. And it's like the subtle things too. It's not the like jump scares or anything like that. Like you'll be wandering around Rapture and there will be these like people who are corrupted or like they have been basically broken by using substances down there. And like, you'll hear them like whispering or like ranting in the walls or they're like yelling at nothing. And it's like some of the most unnerving audio design I've ever experienced in a game. The would you kindly is one of my favorite things in all video games, just because it. It's like another one of those almost fourth wall breaking things where it's saying like you're kind of brainwashed as a player to just do what the game tells you to do. You exactly. Hear, would you kindly grab that wrench and you do it? Oh, yeah. I love it. Man, yeah. remember remember when AAA games would say something? <laughs> <laughs> remember when AAA games have meta commentary and it's yeah. not just Resident Evil and Jedi boo boo? Yeah, no, I love it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, I wish I wish there was a way to see what. Uh, what big daddies look like under their suit and shit. Cause like that was, I always wonder that too. Yeah. That was like one, there was like that part of the game where uh, Jack has to, or like the main character has to uh, basically go through the transformation of becoming a big daddy so he can go confront them and shit. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, he doesn't have to do like the full thing though. Like he just gets like the, the vocal cord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think something like that. And then he gets the suit and that's kind of how you wind up in the, towards the end of the game nuts yeah. absolutely nuts. bonkers absolutely bonkers so yeah Let's... everybody should go play i haven't played uh bioshock infinite or the I second have... one but i've heard that they're both like all three games are really good entries in their own right so, so. Okay. yeah they are try to find time in the day to get through them when the heck are we gonna get a new bioshock they've been working on it for like a decade i think they're like i thought they gave up on it honestly tommy like i i know that the team uh, who who started it like the I forget the the name of the director or the principal game designer but he's doing another thing yeah, doing that seems Judas. like a, a yeah Judas that's the one yep. that's coming out that's like a Bioshock like honorific or inspired game so that's that's gonna be interesting to see how that pans out that. yeah oh yeah me too on three let's all say that's nuts so so it'll be like one two three and then like right on three we'll all say that's nuts Got Ready? It. okay one two three that's that's nuts, that's nuts. perfect <laughs> yeah we did it the second time we did it uh, 
Good. I'm glad. It didn't sound good on my end, but. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's uh, that's villains. That's bad guys. That's antagonists. Any anyone else wanna wanna throw out any last second ones? I have an honorable mention for Tom Nook from Animal mm-hmm. Crossing because he's yep. just a fucking capitalist. Yeah, I was gonna say Ganon. Totally unfair. Ganon's yeah, Ganon's a good one. He's not uh, just he's he's not just one dude. He's like several <laughs> incarnations several of dudes. like the spirit. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. several dudes in a dude. <laughs> Also, I I have the shark from Man Eater, like your playable character mm. from Man Eater. Christ, like yeah, like that game, like you are a fucking menace. Like those human beings, they're just minding their own business, and you're just like, I need to evolve. Let me <laughs> fucking eat you. <laughs> get in my mouth. Because that's how evolution works, for sure. Yeah, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, okay, Nick, where where can people find your podcast and find you on social media? Tell them again. Absolutely. I'll tell you again. Thank you guys again so much for having me on the show. It's been an awesome time talking about villains with you guys. So I'm really, really happy to be here. If you want to find me, you can find uh, the Friday Night Gamecast on Twitter. It's just at Friday Night Gamers, and that's at N-I-T-E-G-A-M-R-Z. Uh, Friday spelled normally. And if you want to find us, you know, just listen to the show, all podcasting platforms, Friday Night Gamecast. That's where you can reach out to us. So again, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. You brought up some excellent ones. I love it. Um, yeah, thank you guys. Aaron, where can people find us? The uh, if if they can find us, because we're really really good at hide and seek. If uh, if if you can track us down through scent, uh, you can find us at <laughs> superpodsaga.com to find all of our stuff. That's my favorite. Let's go. And it's uh it's my turn to pick next week's topic, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna. Hell pick... yeah. I'm going to pick another one of those big, vague ones that sounds better in my head than it will probably be. (laughs) (laughs) I I love them, dude. I I just want us to discuss our happiest video game memories. I just want us to to pull deep from our brain and just bring up our happiest memories from gaming. That's that. That is a good one. That that that's going to be a hard fine. one for me. All all of my experience has just been pain and suffering <laughs> over the years. <laughs> yeah, but the last games make me unhappy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to be sad now. <laughs> all right. Uh, look forward to that next week. Check out Nick on the Friday Night Gamecast, and and thank you for listening. You're all beautiful and wonderful. Okay, have a great day. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.